So welcome everyone. Um, my name is Michela and I am currently working as a dentist in the northern part of Jutland. And I was asked to do uh, a presentation on health, about mental health, and I am very excited to share this with you. It's about depression and anxiety. And I called it Depression and Anxiety Blessings in Disguise because today we will recognize that instead of fighting these things on our own, really, this is something God allows in our lives to help us see something that we really need to see. I think we should start with a pair and then I'll tell you a little bit more about my own story also. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the life that you've given us. I thank you the most for the love that you have given us. And I pray, Lord, that you will help us understand this love and also understand the law that you made to govern us. Help us to learn how to govern ourselves, to gain self-control, and to love like you love. I pray that you may open our minds and help us understand all the things that you have in store for us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So, I grew up in the church, um, and I was baptized when I was 12 years, 12 years old, because I knew that I wanted to follow Jesus. Back then, I'm not sure that I exactly knew what it was to follow Jesus, but I was very excited and I really wanted to follow Jesus. For a while, I went off-road. Um, many things became theory for me and I just came in the church but didn't really know why I was there. And when I got uh, to the age of 21, uh, 21 I was uh, born again, re reconverted. And... Um, from there, I went straight into a deep depression. Which is not normally the way it goes when you meet Jesus, because you get very happy. I was very happy. I felt very safe because I knew that despite of this depression, Jesus had found me and I was on the right way. But I was very depressed. And I didn't know how to get out of it. And I went to uh, the church. And the church didn't know how to help me out of it. And I went to God, but I didn't know how to ask him. How, well, I know how to ask, but I didn't know how to find the answer from God. How do I get out of depression? And later came also, no, I think actually at the same time, anxiety, anxiety comes and go a little bit faster than depression. Depression lasts for long periods and, and anxiety maybe sometimes shorter. And then you have a little bit of anxiety and sometimes a lot. And then you go into depression and then anxiety and then depression. And sometimes you're just deeply depressed, even though you have anxiety. So today, I really want us to understand why do we become depressed? Because I believe, even though I've doubted many times, I believe I was born again back then. And even Christians have depression. But we need to understand what happens because Christians should not stay depressed. We have no reason to stay in depression. I will go through some of the laws, or at least the basic law, that we need to live according to. And I'll help you and I, myself, because I'm learning while I'm doing this. I never did a presentation on this before. I will learn also and we will learn how not to break this law and destroy ourselves. And so I think, as I shared, I went to the church. No one could tell me how to get out. And this is a Bible verse I found in Hosea, or I didn't know if I, I don't know if I found it. It's in Hosea, 
it says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge and I believe that this lack of knowledge if you read further on it's a lack of knowledge of the law of God we read the law and we think we understand the law but really we don't know how to put it into practice and so this is why we destroy ourselves This is the law that God created for us to function under. This is the law that governs everything that God ever created. Up here we have God, and this is Adam. And when Adam was created, he was created to take care of the earth. So he goes to God to take what he needs, and he passes it on to someone else. Back then it was Eve or the garden. And nature takes from what Adam gives and from what God gives of course and it gives it on then someone else takes and gives and someone else take and give and the only thing today which does not work according to this circle of beneficence is the heart of man the heart of man is the only thing who thinks he can live for himself God never created anyone to live for himself, but the heart of man is very deceived and he thinks that he can live from himself and for himself. Now, we need to look at the functions and the need of humanity to understand this. So, here we have some physical needs and we have some spiritual needs. And we want to ask ourselves, physical needs, who is responsible to fill them? Is it me or is it others? And from where do I take them? So if we go to the first one, it says food. Can I produce the food? So where do I take it? From the body or from the supermarket? Yeah, I, yes. So we take it from nature. Okay. What about the water? Can I produce the water? No. So we take it from? nature and air the air I breathe can I produce the air no so we take it from nature so now we go to the spiritual needs our love righteousness security liberty peace and joy and harmony and we all need these things in different measures I need a lot of harmony and a lot of security especially I need those other things also but those are the two that I recognize is in my spirit that is most urgent for me to have around me. So can I produce love? No? So where do we take it from? From God. Okay. Then we want to know who is responsible to fill my physical needs. God, who is responsible to fill my physical, who is responsible that I get food? Myself. How much am I responsible? A little bit? Everything, okay. Who is responsible that my spiritual needs are fulfilled? Myself and God? 
Okay, so if God is responsible, what happens if my spiritual needs are not fulfilled? Whose fault is it? It's God's fault. So is it God's fault when our or spiritual needs are not fulfilled? No. So is God responsible for my spiritual needs? No. Then who is responsible for my, my spiritual needs? Myself. How much am I responsible? A hundred percent. Sorry? To choose. Yeah. We'll we'll come to see that actually we don't have that many choices. I think the next thing we should look at is our relationships. So now we know that what we need to do is we need to take some love because we don't have anything ourselves and we have to give it to someone else. And we want to know then why do we enter into relationships? Do we enter into relationships to give love or to receive love? Both? That's very clever. Can you repeat that again? Very loudly? Yeah, from what you said before, we are responsible, responsible just to give because we cannot take from anyone anything. Yeah? So when we enter into a relationship, should it be to love or to be loved? To love. To love. Mm -hmm. But what happens when we enter into relationships often? We have expectations. So what happens is I want to give love, but why do I give love? To receive something. Is that very loving? That's, I would say, it's humanity. <laughs> it's sinful nature. So I would like to love you if you love me back. Right? I, I tell you a little story of mine. I, I went to see one of my friends recently. And she's depressed. And um, she likes that everyone around her should be very nice to her because she's nice to them. This is very bad. Because can you expect others to always be good to you? Well, you can, but what happens when they're not? Then we are disappointed and we get depressed. And so I went to her and I had some very good advice for her. I thought myself. And I uh, wanted to help her out with my very good and loving advice. And then she started to say, well, no one can do that, Michaela. No one can love without taking any or without receiving anything from anyone. And by the way, you always preach to me. And she started criticizing me. Now, I have a very sensitive spirit. And it's also a very strong will I have. And how do you think I felt? Oh, I made, I made so many mistakes, so many mistakes. But you see, I, I wanted to give her my loving advice. For what reason? For whose sake? For my sake. Okay? So this is how easily we are deceived. It happens all the time. I know for me, with my very, my very sensitive nature and my very strong will, I count many, many times a day when I am hurt or I am annoyed or I am angry. 
maybe no one sees it, but inside the list is long. And these things we have to be, we have to make them conscious because these things are what can help us to conquer our depression and our anxiety. And even our anger or anything else, any conflict we have in life, this fits it, all of it, no matter what is wrong with us. We'll, we'll come to see that. We'll come to see it. Yeah, it comes. So what we do is we enter relationships and we enter relationships with our mom just from when we were born and our dad and this is my sister, she's over here, Stephanie. And we have some friends and some relatives and other people and if you have a spouse, he, he or her or she is very high on the list. This is from where we really want to receive something. Our mom and our spouse especially is very evident or very, what do you say, it's the places that we want to take from the most. But what happens when we don't receive those things that we want to receive from these people? We're crushed, we're hurt. Flowers, that's a very nice example, it is, yes, okay. So what I want us to do today is to learn how to make these feelings or symptoms really, depression, anxiety, stress, anger, conflicts, and sicknesses, because you know, 90% of all the sicknesses we meet in our lives start in our mind and in our spirits. All these things, I want you, or at least I have come to learn that these Feelings are my alarm system. When I feel something bad in my body, I know exactly right away that I must be wrong. Something has to be wrong. I am no longer living according to the law. And why do we need, why do we know that we are not, uh, that we're wrong? Yeah? Yeah? I can understand correctly. If you feel any of these things, it's because you're not, there's something you're not living according to. Exactly. So, for example, a child who is depressed or something because they are not receiving the love that they deserve to. Yes. Yes. They, they are not living according to the law? No. They are not. According to the law, they are breaking the law. Is it the child's fault that it is breaking the law? Does the child have any guilt? They are breaking the law that they only give love, they don't take love from the right place. But you know, the, the fact is that children, children need to learn from their parents how to keep the law. It will take some time from the beginning, they only take love from the mother, but the mother's job is to raise the kid and raise the kid to understand that they need to take lo love, not from mother, but from somewhere else. But the kid is still breaking the law. He just cannot do anything about it. He has no guilt. It is not his fault. Do you understand? Yeah. Sort of. Yeah, I, I will come to explain everything a little bit more in detail. Yeah? Well, it's very hard to recognize, well, to admit that you are wrong. You yes. You're trying to find somewhere else that someone else is 
wrong that he's doing to you wrong. Yes. And this is teaching us. Yeah. Everyone else. And it's very, it's very hard to admit yourself that all those things are because you are wrong. Yeah, it's very hard. This is why we need a savior. Yeah. <coughs> Maybe it's a question not here, but uh, about the relationship uh, between um, what like you said about uh, showing love to children. Sorry. How parents uh, show love to children. Um, do you have about the five uh, loves uh, languages? Languages, thank you. Uh, it will not be in this presentation, no. Uh, but but no, is it, is it, I, I mean, um, for someone, for one children, this way how shows parents love is um, she or he can feel love, but for, uh, for other one, that is nothing. I'm not sure I understand. For, for children and uh, uh, everyone is different. Yes, yes. But, but the love can be different things. It can be righteousness, it can be liberty, it can be different things. And we have different needs. Our needs, needs are differently in the measure, but we all need the same things. We just need them in different measures. So someone might not need harmony as much as my, I. Someone might be just fine if a conflict is going over here. I can sit far away from the conflict and I will almost die from it, even though I don't participate in it, like physically or, or I'm a part of it. I just, by hearing the conflict, my spirit crumbles, okay? So, so this is the way we differ, but we all have the same needs, just in different measure. Do you understand what I mean? Maybe a little bit, yeah? Sam? Uh, maybe I misunderstand it, but... but um did you say that uh, it's ex if ex ex anxiety also comes from if you don't uh, if you're breaking God's law? Uh, law? Yes, I say that. Yes. Anxiety is uh, hand in hand. But okay, but it's just like maybe I understand uh, that we're talking about anxiety the, the wrong way because I, I'm, I'm I'm thinking like if if for example a person comes to me and and has a gun mm -hmm. in my face, I don't know the person. No. Then my anxiety levels will rise. Yes. But but why I will come yeah, I will explain that. I will explain it. But why do you why do your anxiety level raise? Why does it rise? From who are you taking when your anxiety goes up? From God or from the bond keeping a gun to your head? But it's that's not about love, it's more by No, it's about not having love. You know, the guy who's pointing the gun to you is not giving you what you need. Pointing a gun to our heads is not our need. We don't have any need to be threatened, which because threatening is the opposite of love. And we have no need to die because we were created to live. We have no need to lose because we were created to gain. So when someone takes it away from us, this is not filling our need. Yeah? So as a Christian, uh, we're supposed to give love, but um, needing love ourselves is a sin. No. But we will see, I, I will come to explain, there's many more presentation things, yes. I think we'll go on a, a little bit further and I hope that maybe we'll have some of the questions answered through the process and we'll take everything. And I think this is very good because we have many questions, it will make us think for ourselves and we can go home and test it. Is it really true? 
I also have some more materials, so if you're interested to look into these things, it's possible to have some DVDs, and I have some some uh, links to YouTube also, but but it's very good that we think about it, okay? I don't have a question, can I just add something? Yeah. Well, if I understood correctly, you know, he has asked why it's not... Well, if you have a la lack of faith, then you don't believe God can protect me from the one who is pointing the gun in my head, right? So it's my fault that I don't have enough faith in God, right? I'm singing. At the same time, yeah, we have a lot of different love languages. That means you can express love in different ways. This person has mentioned. So this is five love languages she has mentioned. But we have all the same needs. But if someone who expresses love, like I'm giving you gifts, uh, and the other person understands that he is loved, why? When someone says to him, I love you, and he doesn't receive I love you, but he gets a present instead, you know, it's, it's just miscommunication. So the love was given, but was not taken, was not received. Yeah, but we will see that actually we don't need to take love from any person at all, ever. Yeah. But I think we should try and, and go on a little further. So... What we know now is that that having these things are breaking the law. We have a break of the law. And what we go to next is we want to know how do we know that we are wrong when we have these feelings? How do we know that we are wrong? Yeah, I, I, I know that, but we only have a certain amount of time. I know Søren very well, so if he has any questions, I will take a lot of time to explain. Yeah. How do we know the, the feelings are incorrect? How do we know that we are wrong when we experience these things? The selfish motives. Yeah, no. How do we know that it's wrong? No, because it stirs up our feelings. Yeah. Because it destroys us. Jesus didn't come here to die so that we could be destroyed, right? Jesus wants to help us. He wants to heal us. And the problem in our church is as, as soon as something is called sin, we have allergies. Because we think that tomorrow I should be without sin. Sin is a very ugly thing, but sin is a very ugly thing because it is destructive. And God hates sin but he does not hate the sinner, okay? So when we have actions or feelings or something in our lives which are wrong, we don't need to be afraid or depressed because God is in the business of healing our hearts. Every human being is the same. When they are born again, they are not free of sin. It is a process, and God helps us through this process. But if we think that tomorrow I need to be free of sin, then we put a very, very hard load on ourselves that we can in no way fulfill or take away. So Jesus says in Jeremiah, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. And those things are which are not 
thoughts of peace and not thoughts of hope, we can know for sure that these things are destroying us and therefore it is a breaking of the law. It is not what God intended for us. So where do we go when the human mind has a problem? Now I always told you. Yeah, okay, I'll tell you in a different way. Where is the problem in humanity? Someone said something? The heart. The heart is the problem. Where do we where do we find that in the Bible? The heart is deceitful um, of all things. Yes, Jeremiah 17. Yes, out of the heart comes all evil. Yeah, so it's not coming from outside, but it's coming from inside. Jesus says that. And where is the heart located? In the brain? Is the heart a physical thing or a spiritual thing? What? Well, there's two kinds of hearts. We have a physical heart and we have a spiritual heart. And they function very differently. The heart is like a pump. The spiritual heart is a little bit different. We'll come to see. So where is the spiritual heart located? Still not in the brain. The brain is a physical thing. The heart is a spiritual thing. Where is the heart located? In the mind. Yeah, it's not in the frontal lobe. We have a spirit. If you go to the beginning of the Bible, it says that God created man. He made something out of the earth, which is the physical body. Then he blew his, his uh, spirit into the person. So we have a spirit and we have a body. And when we die, the spirit goes back to God and the body goes back to the earth and nothing works together anymore. Everything is just not functioning. Yes? Xavier, what you wanted to say is that um, all problems comes from sin in me. Yes. This is why we need a savior. You know, these same things are in me, from sin in me. Yeah? I, I think there's also a, a concept that the sin at work in other people's lives is having an effect on us. Only if we take from them. Maybe our reaction, but yeah. then it has an effect on me. Their, their poor choices may affect me. If, if my mom is supposed to take care of me and she doesn't feed me, it has an effect on me, but my choice in how to deal with that. As long as I'm a kid, I, I cannot do anything. A kid below maybe 12 or 7 cannot do anything. As soon as we get older than that, the responsibility is ours. But if somebody has a mass shooting and they shoot me, I, it had an effect on me. It took yes, you, yes, exactly. I, I'm just saying that. But this is a physical ex effect. This is a physical effect. Uh, I'm interested to come Yeah, yeah. Okay, so now we go to the heart in our mind. In our heart, if we go to Matthew 6, we can read about the heart. I don't know if you brought your Bible. By the way, I have to ask you, do you need, do you need a break at some point? because maybe we won't get through it all. <laughs> mm. 
you're very free to go to the toilet at any time if you need to. Okay, Matthew 6 and verse 19. It says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth or rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So from this, what does the heart need? Is that what it says in the, in the verse? It needs a treasure. Okay. Where does the heart always need to be? In what direction does the, does the heart always go? Towards the, treasure. Towards the treasure. So here we have our heart. And in our heart we have treasure and gain. And the opposite of this is to lose the treasure or loss. Okay? And Jesus says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be. So my heart will always go for the treasure. Always go for gain. We were never created to lose anything. Okay? Which is very nice, I think. So what is the problem if my treasure is earthly? Yeah, what is the problem of an earthly treasure? No? Yeah, you can't answer. Yes, yes, someone might take it away from us. Or it disappears, or it dies, whatever. And then we are forced to loss. And then we will be destroyed. Okay, so we'll see that Ephesians talks about uh, the eyes of our heart. And in, I think in the English translation, it's called the eyes of our understanding. It's also in the German called the eyes of the heart and in the Danish one. But these eyes is the filter through which the heart sees everything. And if you read further in Matthew, you will see that the Bible there is talking about, about an evil eye and, unsing and a single eye. It says in verse 22, The light of the body is the eye, if therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? Depression is like darkness, okay? It's still chapter 6, just after the treasures, or the, the verses about the treasures. So we see that what happens if our heart is deceived is that the evil eye is our filter. We see everything through the wrong filter. And this causes us great problems. I have a problem that my notes are only before the next page. So if I have a single eye, I will know that I'm a creature of God. I see everything correctly. How much do I own? If I am a creature of God, a child of God, how much do I own? How much is mine? 
nothing. Okay, so I'm only a steward. I do not own anyone and I do not own anything. How much can I create the power or love that I use for working? Can I create anything? Can I create my own love or my own energy? No. Okay. So this is the single eye. When I work according to the single eye, I will be perfectly fine. Now we have an evil eye that destroys us. And the evil eye thinks that I am God. I can create my own love. I have possessions, and this can be people, it can be animals and things. I can create either love or power. The love and power that I used to love other people, and the power that I used to work. And the law will help us understand why we are wrong and what happens in our heart. Now here we have the single eye and the evil eye. So I ask again, if you are a creation or child of God, how much do you have to give? How much do you have to give? All? What did we just say? If you are a child of God, how much do you have? How much do you have to give? Nothing. So where do you take from? So if I have nothing, I, nothing is mine and I cannot produce anything, I go to God, I take what I need, and I pass it on. And as you see, now we fit into the law. I take from God and I pass it on. I have no problem. But now we saw what happens if we have the right identity. But what if we look to the other side? If I am God, how much do I have to give? If I think I am God, how much do I think I have to give? Everything. Everything. From who do I give? From myself. from myself. Do I need to take from anywhere then? But this is the law of death. Because now we go to give. And why do we give? To receive something, because our tank has to be filled somehow. So if we don't go to this place, we go somewhere else to fill it up. Now we have a dead end, and we won't fit into this circle of life. And this is the law of death that you see that Paul is talking about. Yeah? So I just want to ask, like, at the beginning in the Garden of Eden, um, if it was possible for Adam to to live a happy life with just receiving love from God, then why was Eve created? Because it says that God looked at Adam and he saw that he could never have perfect happiness mm -hmm. without um, uh, a partner, um, a spouse. So he created Eve to, to create that perfect happiness with God and with Eve. So from, from that I understand that we can get love from God, but also as a human being, the way God created me is that for me to be a healthy human being, it's not just like um, all the, like I, it's not just um, I just pray to God and I'm completely happy. The, the people that are around me will also affect my, my, my happiness. Mm -hmm. um, there is no way I cannot take from from people that are around me because uh, 
I'm living on, on, on planet Earth as well. So for example, like someone was asking um, about, you said that as a, as a, for a child, they have no choice. But for an adult, for example, if someone gets raped, how does that not affect? So you're saying that um, if they have an eye of God, the single eye, even if, if, even if they got raped, because they have that healthy filter of God, mm -hmm. that, would, that situation would affect them. Exactly. Okay. okay. I, I understand now, but I just, I don't know. What happened to Jesus on the cross? Was he, was he sexually abused? No one raped him, but was he sexually abused? They stripped him of all his clothes. Yes. Did it affect him? No. It did not affect him for himself. Nothing ever affected Jesus for himself. He was never hurt for himself. I'm just confused as to why God said that um, Adam would not be, have perfect happiness without Eve. Why was, why, well, marriage is a need, but why is, what, what did Jesus mean marriage to be? So why, for what reason is, is Eve created? So he could, Adam could give her something from God. God gives to Adam. So, and why, why do we normally enter marriage? To give? Or to take? To give. And what happens if we want to take in our marriage? This is every divorce. Every divorce on earth comes from wanting to take something which is not available. It is like seeking water in the desert. Because no human being will ever be able to fulfill your spiritual need. Never. Because no person is ever perfect around you. I mean, not as it is now. Well, it's not God, so it's, it's not, yeah. And as soon as we stop to give, we give, or as soon as we give, stop to give unselfishly, not to receive, then we have a problem. So this is why our marriages die, because we want to take something from the other one, and he does not live up to our ex expectations. It happened as soon as Adam had taken a bite of the apple. Eve was no longer satisfying his need. Before he had taken a bite of the apple, Eve didn't need to satisfy his need. Because Adam never went to see for his love with Eve. He went to God to take his love, to give it. I think we will go on for a little bit. The thing is that this taking from people and animals, however we think we need it, the, the plain truth is just that if you take from a person and that person dies, you will be destroyed. If you take from a person and this person deceives you, you will be destroyed. If you do not learn from God how to put people on the giving side and God only on your taking side, you will lose. You will stay depressed, you will stay sick, you will stay in anxiety, you will not get out, ever. And the only way to test if this is true is to go home and try it out. The things I just said now? Yes? Yeah, yeah. If we take from a person like our mother, this is the greatest need of many people. They come and they say, 
if I could just wake up my mother from the dead, I would be happy. Is it possible to wake up my mother from the dead? No. Do I then have to lose if my mom is dead? I have no choice. I have to lose. So the only way to get out of our problems is if we learn to put the people that we take from on the giving side and we learn that the only one we ever take from is God. Then we can never lose anything. Yeah? Yes, I will come to that. Yes. Yes, it's it's coming. Yeah. No, it's okay. It's okay. But this is it's coming. Yeah. So here we see the eyes and the heart together. This is our problem, our identity crisis. We want to be over here, being a child of God, understanding that we're a child of God. Now, being here and being reconverted does not mean that I am not God's child. It just means that I'm still blind in some areas of my life, okay? Which we are. I mean, when we are born again, do we know all things? No, we're like a baby. And so here we see that if we have our selfishness, our I am God, I, we think we have possessions. We think we can produce the love that we give, which makes me lose when someone don't want my love, right? And I become dependent on people and animals to fulfill my needs. Who is in control of my life in this area, in this eye? Who is in control of my life if I live this identity? If I am dependent on the love of other people, who is then in control of my life? Other people. Now, if I never have to take love from anywhere, who will then be in control of my life? Yeah, we say God, but who is really in control of my life? That we'll see, we actually, we don't have a choice. We just saw that, you know? You can never choose loss. The eye can never choose loss. So what really happens is just, we see here that the single eye knows that gain is to take love from God and give it on. And loss would be to keep anything. So the single eye never keeps anything because he knows it's loss, he cannot choose loss. You don't have a choice. Now, on this side... I think that gaining is giving to receive something. So I always give to receive and I cannot go towards loss. So loss would be not receiving or receiving less than I want to receive or that something is taken away from me and I have to avoid this by all means. So I would put pressure on people or animals and this pressure will come back on myself, my body, if I do not receive or I receive too little or something is taken away from me, but I can never choose. I do not have a choice. I always have to go for the gain. So our problem is how do we change our identity? How do I learn to become 
a heart with a single eye instead of a heart with a selfish eye. This is the nature we receive from Adam. This is the one we inherited from Adam. We can do nothing about it. But it has to be destroyed before it destroys us. And this is the divine nature we receive from Jesus. Now, when I was 21, I was only here. I didn't have a little bit of a single eye anywhere. I took from all the people who was around me. And then when I got converted, I realized that all my friends were not really, you know, very interested in God. And they thought I became very strange and reading the Bible, going to church, not drinking alcohol. Many things happened in my life back then. So most of my friends were, you know, making a distance towards me. And the little trust that I had in God back then was the little peace I had in my depression. You remember I said that even though I was very deeply depressed, I still had this little thing that I knew that I was safe because God found me. So this is a little faith I had in God. But the depression, which was very big, was all of this evil thing. And we'll come to see later also, I have a slide that shows how, how we grow in this trust. But we have no choice. The only place that we have a choice or the only situation when we get a choice is when Jesus gives us a choice. This is why we need a savior, because we are in darkness, in blindness. This is why the light came to the world to light up every man. This is why Laodicea needs eye salve, because they are totally blind. And this is why we need a savior. If we could do these things, if we could jump from this place to this place on our own, we would have no need of a savior. The need of a savior comes from not seeing your own heart, from not seeing the self-deception that we're in, and from not being able to change into the right identity. We never have a choice, and by this you also can see that we never sin on purpose. But God gives you a choice. To, to, he will give with the little face you have. You have to make this. I will be dependent on you. Yes. Everything. At some point, God makes, gives us a choice, but he might give us a choice here, and then there's still this big portion of my stony heart where I have no choice, and I go and sin every day. I count my, if I should, I am so happy. I cannot count them, because they are many. So many places, because Jesus reveals to us a little by little, because we cannot carry the load of the great sin in us, because we're so blind that we do not see the great blindness. Sen? Yeah, it's just, uh, it's nice to hear all this. Uh, it also, like, explains a lot of things. For example, like, um, I also uh, experienced that when I went to, to, to go to church and started becoming, um, having a faith mm -hmm. towards God, that uh, there was, like, a lot of withdrawal, and there was from other people, and, and that, of course, made me feel, like, very sad. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess that it also explains that sometimes you you feel like you you are like you wanting to like there's something that's gonna split you apart, and uh, sometimes you 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 fall back on on the old habits. Like okay, I can it it God is not gonna be so uh, angry at me if I just do something like this this because. That's gonna satisfy. Exactly, and what do you call that? Be happy with me. Yeah. I'm gonna be. Oh yeah, I feel happy again because I'm loved. And what do you call this? Wanting to do something good so that God will be satisfied. 
what do you call it? Righteousness by works. Isn't it awful? Yeah. I'm just, I agree very much with you. I think people teaching is very good. But I've just been thinking uh, a lot about this actually. Um, and I find that there can be a pitfall in this. There was for me at least, because you can be so focused on only me and God, and yeah. I don't need people. I'm the one giving, and you can get into pride. But I think this is, this is, you know, this is why we learn little by little. And I mean, becoming balanced takes a lot of time. Um, as I said, I'm a person with a very strong will and I go, sometimes I've been here and then I've been there and, you know, Jesus, he helps us to come to the middle. The thing is, giving, you can give, but you can give for the wrong reason, like you just said, then it becomes like righteousness by works, right? I give because I'm a little bit better than you. But this is not taking from God. Then the taking is wrong. Do you understand? Because then I'm not giving what I had from God. But can I just yeah. ask a question, because I've been thinking about this, mm -hmm. because I've got myself into giving, 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 and, and sometimes, you know, not really knowing have I received this, this from God, a, a little bit like works by yeah, yeah, yeah. righteousness. Yeah. And sometimes it's, and I still haven't completely found out when is it God asking me to do something for someone, and when is it something in me. Yes, 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 yes. Exactly, exactly. And I think this is very much a trial and error because the thing is you can give something which looks good, but it can still have the wrong motive. The thing is when we give something which is not received very well, we know right away if we gave from God or if I gave from myself. Because if I gave from God, I said, oh, poor guy, he didn't take my good advice. I have pity on him. But if I gave from me, I become offended. Do you see? So the only way to help us understand our wrong giving, our wrong motive, and our wrong identity for God is what? The only way he can help us see. Our reaction. When we are put in trial, it will be seen whether we give for ourselves or from ourselves or we give from God. If we give for the purpose to take from God and give to other people, or we give for the purpose to receive something from them. So you can look perfectly fine on the outside, but as soon as God allows the pressure to grow high enough, as soon as you are over the threshold of what your spirit can bear, and I promise you depressed people, you wouldn't think so, but depressed people have a very strong will. Most of us can hide our depression for a very long time and look very happy and look very well functioning. None of my friends, before they got to live with me or spend like enormously a lo long time with me, would know that I was a very depressed person unless they saw me put under pressure because I would look happy, I would smile, I would wear the right dress, I would wear the right clothes, I would, wear, I would do the right deeds, I would do the right work in the church. But as soon as you come living with me, you will see that I'm not so nice a person. Because now you see me under pressure also. But we don't see ourselves, and actually it's a very good thing, we should be so happy. This is why it is blessings in disguise, because many people do not see their error, do not see the wrong things in their heart, because everything is perfect. They can handle the situation. Now, if you are depressed or anxious, can you handle the situation? No. And this is your mirror. This is what tells you, I must be wrong. 
praise God, you know. Now you don't need to stay in your blindness. So when we fall, we do not become depressed because we know we don't have a choice. But we praise God because now we have a chance to change. This will take time. It's a long battle, but I tell you, it is the greatest and most beautiful battle and the most beautiful journey you will ever enter into. But never become dis discouraged from your depression. You know, we become, we become embarrassed and we become anxious and we want to stay in our rooms or in the corner of a couch and we cry to God. And this is another thing, the crying. I don't know if you check yourself, but I check myself every time I cry. Do I cry for me or do I cry for God? And I tell you, I cry for me. I think to myself subconsciously, and it took me a while to figure it out, but subconsciously, I cry because if maybe if I cry enough, God will take me out of trial. What a deception. The trial is love. The trial is for my good, but I fight the trial. I fight my sinful actions. Instead of going and fighting my identity, finding out why do I do like I do? I just become even more depressed because I failed. And you know, every time our mind goes around ourselves and our failures and, oh, I should have done this, or I shouldn't have done this, or I shouldn't have done this, it is selfishness. And the victory is to give up. Mm. Yeah? Because that thing with crying, for me at least, I think crying sometimes is just letting things out. And for me, sometimes I go cry to God and just let out my emotions. And then it's good. And we can. And we can. I'm not saying that we cannot. I'm just saying oftentimes the crying is an expression of wanting to get out of the pressure. Because the pressure got so high, we cannot handle it, so it comes up in our eyes. Do you understand what I mean? I went crying last night. And it was because the pressure had gone up high. I did not see my identity. I did not know why I was doing or feeling like I felt. I went to a private room, I prayed to God, and I cried. And I checked with God, Lord, why do I cry? And he said to me, because it's, it's too much for you. You think it's too much for you. Is it ever too much for me? No, I have a savior, I have a father. He never allows anything that is too much. He only allows that which is for my good and for my blessing. Ellen Wright writes in Ministry of Healing that everything that ever happened to Jesus went through the filter of God's love. Nothing would put on, on him that was not for the blessing of the world. And the same thing goes for us. If you, This is, by the way, my favorite book of all. But she says that nothing we experience, nothing we go through is allowed for the evil. Jesus allows it only because that if we learn to work with him, instead of working against our depression and anxiety, but work with Jesus to conquer it, it will always work for our good. It says so in Romans 8, 28 also in the Bible. Everything we experience works for our salvation if we learn how to use it correctly. She has a question. I'm trying to understand that uh, who I and uh, to be born again. Yes. As I, as I understand, if I understand right, uh, in order to go from this selfishness to the right eye, yeah. I need to be born again. Yeah. But the first time you go from selfishness to the right eye, you become born again. And if I fail, I need to be born again? Or, the, or is it the, the wrong first one was something, something like 
Yeah, I have actually a picture. Um, maybe we just skip this one. This is the one with the choice. I think we already went through this. I already told you that God is your friend. You don't have to be afraid if you fall because it's not about satisfying God because then we work by its righteousness by works. This is the first time I took from God. Before I took from God, there was no error here. The error over here would be much bigger. Maybe I should have had another slide to show that. But the first time I took from God, it was um, it was a very sad night in my life. I chose to break up with my boyfriend because I could see that the things we wanted in life was very different. I recognized that the God he believed in was very different from the God I believed in. Or actually, I didn't really know what God I believed in, so I thought I better figure this out and maybe it's good I figure it out on my own. So I broke up with my boyfriend. But I broke up with my boyfriend because God put me up a little bit in a corner. You know, God never puts force on us, but he knows our weaknesses. And to help me a little bit, he put me in a situation where I could nothing but break up. The, the guy asked me, are we okay? And we were not at all okay. And it had been up and down for a while. And he said, I cannot stay in this, you know. Sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down and blah, blah, blah. And I just knew that if I need to break up, it's now or never. So I broke up with him and I had discussed this with Jesus for two weeks, but I didn't do anything about it because I couldn't, because what if he gets angry? That's my greatest fear in life. If I anger some person, I cannot tolerate the anger of people. I'm working on that, but angry patients, for example, being a dentist is sometimes risky because people don't always like you when they come in the door. Some of them are just afraid and that's very good because then I help them, but some of them get very angry and this is not, fulfilling any of my needs. So I can lie asleep at night if I know I have to meet an angry patient the day after, which is also a deception because I never know whether the patient is angry. I just assume they are, my expectation is so. So for the first time I took from God, this is my very small trust in God and this is my still very small, uh, big trust in the people and the animals around me. So this is the, this is the feeling of my safety, you know, when I trust God a little bit, I had afterwards an, an, a reaction in my body. And it goes to the mind, and the per mind perceived this as safety or security. Now I know that I'm safe because God found me. So I have this little trust in God. But here I still take a lot from people and animals. That means over here I will never sin again. At least if I sin over here, it will be a conscious choice. God can still forgive. He can still bring me back. But over here, it would be a conscious choice. And it would make no sense because in this part of my life, I am now free. You know, the freedom that Jesus talks about in, in John 8 is the freedom where I never have to choose sin again. I might be tempted, but I never have to go back because I know it's a loss. So there I have no choice to do loss. And if I do so, it would be not out of deception, but out of choice, and it would be like making no sense. Now here, I still have no choice. Here I still sin, but I am born again. But Ellen White says that when we want to learn to trust God or, or grow in trust to God, we have to do the same thing as we did the first time we trusted God, and as we did when we were born again. But sinning does not make me a backslidden Christian. It just means 
that I have a lot of blindness left in my heart. Do you, does it answer your question? Yeah? So, what I wanted to share with you was actually a story. I don't know how much time we have left. Uh, four minutes. <laughs> okay. There's some mapping over there. Sorry? There's some mapping over there. Yeah. Mm, yeah, but we are not only a spiritual body, we are a physical body as well. Yeah, we have a physical body. What do you, what are you saying? Yeah, uh, I feel like we are speaking uh, more about the uh, spiritual body, but uh, how is it uh, connected with the physical body? Because we, 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 we every uh, have, um, has um, uh, responsibilities, uh, um, a lot to, to do. And we, in this life, we are uh, not alone. Uh, we are connected, we are in relationships, and, that's, uh, and we don't have so much uh, power like uh, Jesus. <laughs> where, did, where did Jesus have his power from? From God. So where do I take my power from? From God. If I take, does God ever run out of power? Spiritually, but physically? Where do I? Yes, okay. I have a picture of that. Um, because you know, in this uh, age, it has uh, like the principle say not only about the spiritual body, they uh, say about the physical body as well. Yeah, so, so what is your question about the physical body? Uh, our our uh, spiritual health is depends on. So, what you want to know is how does my spirit affect my body? Okay, good. I have another slide, but we have to go into another PowerPoint for that. Um, we have two minutes left. <laughs> can we can we go ten minutes over? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have many good stories. Well, not so many yet, but I will get more and more. How do I find? Oh, it's right there. It's just because it's on the other screen. I think this is it. I cut some things off because I thought I wouldn't have time for all of that. So this is the connection between our body and mind. So here we have our spirit. This is where all our decisions are taken. And in here we have our consciousness and we have our subconsciousness and the subconsciousness is our heart. Okay. So everything which is decided in the heart decides what happens to my body. If I believe I am a creature of God, I have nothing, I cannot produce anything, then I take from God and I give to those around me and the electrical, electrical impulses that goes from my spirit to my body will be exactly those that fit my body. So now my body will function good. Do you understand? 
Now, if I think I own something or someone, or I, or I think that I can produce my own love and I give it and I don't get back what I need, I don't receive that which I need, or I lose something, either people, my mother dies, or my, my cat dies. You know, some people become depressed when their cat dies. I did that when I was a kid. I started crying because I thought I lost something that was mine. But who owns the cat? God owns the cat. So did I lose anything that was mine? No, but I think it's a personal loss because I think I own the cat and I think I own my mom. So whenever that happens, the wrong electrical impulses goes into my body and I become sick. And this happens every time I have anxiety. If the anxiety level goes high enough, as Søren just said about the gun pointed to your head, I, would, I have no idea how I would react to that. But I've had um, something happen to me which was very not fitting to my needs. Um, I, exams never fit my needs. And my pharmacology exam, I, I uh, failed twice. And when I had to study for the pharmacology <coughs> exam, I got sick. I get the, what do you call it, tonsillitis. If the level of anxiety goes up high enough, I get tonsillitis. My hands have eczema. I've had eczema actually before this, uh, before this convention because I'm in logistics. I'm host. I have a workshop and I have many other things. And so the eczema starts growing and I think the worst fear was probably this because when you stand up here, you take from all that sit down there. Always. It takes very long time to learn to be a speaker without speaking out of selfishness. So my hands got very wild and when I was studying for my pharmacology exam, they were so full of eczema and, and wounds that I could not hold on to the hairbrush. My mom had to brush my hair. And uh, so this is, you know, how our body reacts to the wrong information from the spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're making me think. I thank you so much for that. It's making me think. I, I have a lot of questions that probably can be answered in this short time that we have. But I'm here for the convention and yeah, yeah. I'd love to talk to you. Yeah. But one thing that, that is still confusing me yeah. is the fact that I've never... I, I don't relate to the concept of this ownership, and that's why I feel hurt. Yeah. I think it's love. So the fact that mm. my dog, I have a relationship, I have a love relationship. Yeah. I will miss that dog. Yeah. I didn't think I owned it. I can even believe that that was a gift from God and that the Lord gives them. Yes. Them. yes, yes, yes. But the tears that I feel or the sadness I feel, mm. I don't think have to destroy me. If I think it's a coping mechanism that we have that isn't necessarily destructive. And this is what I'm a little unsure about is it's yeah. like all of it is destructive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm not sure I would agree with that. I think God leads us through that sometimes. I believe Lord, the Lord leads us through that. I, I'm absolutely, and I'm not saying that crying is always wrong because Ellen White said that you never say that. But she actually says she visits a person or she describes a person that lost the father of the family. And she says, from all the people looking on this family, people would think, why are they not mourning? Why are they not, they not crying? And they would say, this is a lack of love for the person they lost. You would think that, right? If you lose your mother, you would think, oh, maybe she doesn't like her if she doesn't mourn over her. Or she doesn't grieve 
It would be a lack of love for this person. You would think so. Ellen White say, says that people fail to see that the lack of mourning or the lack of grief is showing the trust they have in God. Because they know that this person was never mine. They were here for a while and we praise God for that. We praise God for the company. We praise God for the love that was given. We praise God for everything. But I have no reason to become depressed when I lose someone because they were never mine. You know, this is the thing with Job. He loses all of his children and he says, naked I came, naked I go. I, I have a lot of people who have their hands up. I, I take one at a time. Yeah. Um, and it's just that uh, we also saw that Jesus, he was weeping over Jerusalem. Yes, but was he weeping for himself? No. No, he, he, was, no, he was weeping over them. And he, he was weeping because he felt sorry for them. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah? What about cl uh, cleaning depression? Because this is that point. Because what? Cl what about cleaning depression? Clinical depression? I am talking about clinical depression. Because there are points I also, also have some experience in my family that the people are is you are to do suicide or something like that. Yes. I I don't see how this works at, at those hard uh, situations. I believe that when you are very depressed, for sometimes it can be necessary to take some kind of medication to help you think. But as soon as you're able to think, this will work. I was on medication myself for half a year and I hate medication. I probably will never go back to it. Um, I am not sure if it helped me think, but I know that at least in the process and when I took it, I learned some of these things. And after two weeks, I was better and I wished to come out of the medication and I could not. So I had to stay on it for a half a year. And I have nothing against medication. I think sometimes medication is applicable, but I think if there is a way that you can work your, work your way through without it, it's better because the, the medication might help you think, but it, it can also make you more dizzy and make you more like not thinking. So, you know, um, and maybe there are some people that are that far out that it cannot work, but I believe I have one in my family who has had great trouble and also suicide attempts, not attempts, but thoughts of suicide. And even this person uh, benefits from knowing these things. But it takes a long time to learn. I have some DVDs. I also have some YouTube things that you can go and look to. Um, and if they cannot watch the whole series, maybe you can be the channel to give something you took from God. Yeah? Yeah. I was just thinking that we have talked about the spiritual causes of depression, but it's also important to recognize that there are physical causes of depression as well, like diseases, nutrition imbalances, and things like that that really affect us, and as well as social uh, problems in our lives that can cause depression. But it doesn't always need to be a spiritual cause, just to recognize that there are other causes as well. But of course, this is very helpful, but if, if somebody's eating, food, for example, it will cause depression. That's a really important I, aspect of, of depression as well. And we need to address the correct uh, cause. 
I, I recognize what you're saying. Um, and I believe that if you are starving or if you got hit by a car, something very bad can happen to your mind or your brain, which makes it not works very well with your spirit. And that can, of course, lead to depression. Yes. But 90% of all diseases, which includes depression, depression is a disease, comes from spiritual things. The problem in our church is that we look to the 10% that doesn't come from our mind. So what I'm telling you today will fit 90% of everything you experience in your life. Do you understand? I am not telling you that you don't have to eat good food. I was eating plant-based food since 2011, and I believe it's a very meal that God gave us to eat. But this is not the main cause of depression. I have been eating crap food and been perfectly happy. I have been eating very, very healthy food and being, being deeply depressed. I have even been eating very good food and being happy and eating very good food and being very depressed. It does not have to come from the food and 90% of the time it does not. And I would say depression in itself, not disease in itself, but depression in itself, I would assume that more than 90% of the depression we experience comes from a spiritual lack of love. But I agree, there is a physical side, of course. If you could just help me understand. So um, you said that, for example, like grief, like uh, if someone loses a cat or a mother uh, because they believe that they um, they own that, that thing. So the, the feeling of grief would be one of those uh, like alarms, right? It, it depends. If you grieve for the loss of God, it is not unselfishness because God owns the cat and God owns the mother and it is a loss to God. But if you grieve for yourself, if you want to wake up, you know, if you have the feeling that, oh, if I could just wake her up, then it is for yourself. Okay, so if you, if you, if you lose your mom and you, oh, obviously as a, as a, as a Adventist, you, you know that you can't wake them up from the dead and you, exactly. you believe this. But you, someone would be like, oh, I wish they were still here, just as a... Yeah, same thing. So that, so that's a sin, that, that's, that's feeling. That's the same thing. It's, it's the thoughts that are wrong. Okay. Yeah. So, because uh, I just wanted to know, because like, uh, someone can take, how far does it go? Yes, it goes very deep. So, uh, those, even that, that, uh, that, that wish, that I wish my, my mother was still here. Yeah. That is a sin, and that, therefore that person will not enter heaven. No, this is not what I'm saying. I'm saying exactly what I'm saying is not that just because you sin is not a fact that you don't enter heaven. We want to go to the full trust in God, but the fact that I sin does not have anything with me going to heaven. No, 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 no. One day I will not grieve the death of my mother. When I learned that my mother is God and if God choose to retire my mom, praise him. Now she does not have to fight the battle anymore. It's a process, exactly. And this is what I tell you. I sin every day. Just last night I was crying and I was going to God and saying, God, why? Why do I do this? What is wrong with me? Because God doesn't want me to suffer. I guess what confuses me is that as in the Adventists, we have a doctrine that um, we, have, we are to be sinless before we enter heaven. Exactly. So how does that correlate with this, I'm going to sin every day. So if I'm crying tomorrow, 
I'm not fit for heaven. Exactly. So I, I don't like, how do we, can we make it make sense? I don't understand. Yes, 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 yes. I understand. I mean, the thing is, we have some people in the Bible that obviously reached the goal. Like Enoch, he walked with God, he was taken directly to heaven. Moses was taken to heaven after he died. And then we have the sinner on the cross, right? How much, how much cleansing of the heart did he go through? Nothing. I don't know what Jesus... What? No, no, I don't believe so. I believe, I, I will show that in the other PowerPoint. I, yeah, but, but I cannot tell you exactly what happens to the sin on the cross. Something in him, I mean, what ha well, I can tell you a little bit about it as far as I've understood it until now. What I've understood is that, you know, the eyes we had before, maybe I can just put them up there again. Um. Michaela, can I just say that this doctrine, which is, uh, you are talking about, it is not an Adventist doctrine. Well, I... It is a doctrine which we try to put on each other. Yeah, but... but it is not... We believe what Nicola is trying to teach us today, that when you choose God, God will cleanse us through the way. Um, to each other that you should be perfect. Then you are start measuring each other with, now we're going the sin way. I don't know. I, no, I, it, it's not exactly what I'm trying to say. No, I think I think I will just try to answer a question, and then we can maybe soon also come to an end. And praise God, we had some things to talk about and think about. How do I do this? What? We again had a store scam again. Yeah, but then that knapp is away from me. Nah, so beginning to write. There it is. Okay. So what I have here is I am God, and here I have, I am a creature of God. And if we go back to this slide, okay, maybe I didn't put it on here. But this one is the life of Jesus. This is how life, the life of Jesus was, right? And this is the life of Adam. And what I do in my Christianity is every single day, I go to crucify this thing at the cross. I go ask Jesus, Jesus, I did this today. I, normally I would make a long list. I don't do that anymore. I, I go ask Jesus, what did I do? Because the list will just be too long and I end up in depression. So I ask God, what did I do yesterday? And I go to God and say, why did I do that which I did? And in my heart, I can do nothing. I cannot change my heart because I am not God. So I go to God and I ask him, what did I do and why did I do it? And then sometimes he reveals it to me right away and sometimes it takes a lot of time. Some things have taken me five years to figure out and I just figured it out maybe a month ago. And when I realize the wrong taking, I go to God and say, God, help me stop play God. Help me not to try and be God in this place anymore. I, made, I might still fall. I might still have to practice and learn these things. But in the end, I become free of this and I come over here in that little part of my heart. I had actually in the other PowerPoint I made in the beginning, I had a big black heart. It's the heart of stone. And then in the beginning when I take from God, the little red point is the trust I have in God. And it grows as I grow in Christ. And in the end, my whole heart will be his and I cannot 
any longer choose to sin. And if and when I reach that point, I will be among the 144,000. There are people that might not be among the 144,000. How far they are in the journey, I don't know, because I'm not God. What happens to the, the guy on the cross next to Jesus, I am not sure. But I know that in the, in the moment, Jesus, Jesus gave him an opportunity to choose the life of Jesus instead of the life of Adam. And he took it. What happens to his heart? I have no clue, but I am very sure the guy will be in heaven. And I hope one day I might figure out what happens to those that are put in the grave. Did they reach the whole goal? And I just don't know about it. I don't know because I don't know the hearts. I don't know about the thief on the cross because I don't know the heart. Maybe God will help me understand better one day. But this is what I've understood so far. I believe no sin can ever enter heaven because if any sinful nature enters heaven, we have a choice to sin when we come in heaven. In heaven, there will be no choice to choose sin. Adam, before he fell, had no, choos- had no choice for sin. He was deceived, and it cannot be explained. Ellen White says that there is no explanation of the root of sin. You cannot explain why Adam chose, or why Adam sinned, because he, did not, he had not in his heart a, ch- a choice to sin. So this is the best I can answer your your question. Thank you. I, I understand that. Maybe it's, maybe it's a, maybe it's an issue with the doctrine then, because I don't. I've never even before today. I've struggled to understand how one can achieve sinlessness before heaven, yet not rely on righteousness by works. Yes, I know, and this is because we do not teach our doctrines in a practical way. We teach them by theory. And this is also what happens with depression and disease and everything. We teach that you have to get rid of your sin and you have to do that tomorrow. And that is what happened when I got back into the church. I mean, I was never really away from the church, but I got into a church and I, all I heard from the preacher's chair was, you have to get rid of your sin, you have to get rid of your sin. And I thought to myself, I really like to get rid of my sin. I have no clue how to do it. So this is really what we need. We need something practical to understand what's going on in my heart and how do I get rid of it? And how do I not become depressed because I fall. Because we have, like, this doctrine is is tricking our minds. Not the doctrine in itself, but how it is preached. Because in the way that it's preached, God becomes my enemy. God's beca- God becomes someone that I need to please. And every time I sin, I am pushed to despair because in my church, I am not allowed to make mistakes. And this is why I ha- one of my other greatest fears beside angry people is making mistakes. And I, it took me a very long time to find out why do, I, why do I have this great fear? And I can explain that maybe next year uh, <laughs> or an, another time. But, but, but it's very important that we see what we teach because sensitive people like myself will come to the church and they will be destroyed because they don't know what to do with the message. Can we see the you can have all my slides okay. after if you want. Can I add something? Well, when we say that I need to get rid of all my sins. It's work, but it's I cannot buy my salvation. No. It's given. Yeah. My to my well. Can I can I just? Yeah. Mine is to come to Jesus, to repent, to say I have sinned, and then God will see. He will cover us with His righteousness. God will see His righteousness in front of us when we stand all sinful there. But we have repent. This is all that it's ours. It's not what I need to do. 
I cannot do anything. It's all. But we have to be aware that God does nothing without our co-working. God will never do for you what he created you to do for yourself. You, God cannot go to God for you. God cannot ask questions for you. God cannot choose for you ever. He can give you an option. He can give you a choice, but he cannot choose for you. You always have to choose for yourself. And the thing is, we have to be very teachable. We, we don't want to go to God and, and tell God how to do things and how to teach me. When we are put into trial, we recognize, okay, I'm in trial, I'm in deep, under deep pressure, but I go to God and I find out how can I corroborate because he needs our corroboration. We, he does not work without us. He doesn't, you know, you cannot say, oh, Jesus, take place or come into my heart. Jesus never come and possess you. He wants you to act yourself and he wants you to think for yourself. No, I... You can never buy the salvation, of course. It's, yeah, it's without price. I have some, can I still go? <laughs> I mean, you are free to leave as soon as you want. I have some final slides that I really think is very needful, uh, especially for those that are in deep depression and have many problems. Uh, these are some of the things that have helped myself the most. Now I have some practical take-home messages. Sometimes we cannot do anything. Those who have had anxiety attacks knows that when you have an anxiety attack, you can lie flat down on the floor, you can do nothing. You cannot think, you are afraid you might not be able to breathe. And Ellen White has some very nice quotes for us. It says that often your mind may be clouded because of pain. Do not try to think. You know that Jesus loves you. He understands your weakness, and you may do his will by simply resting in his arms. Let your heart and mind be at rest like a child child in the arms of its mother. His everlasting arms are beneath you in all your afflictions. Jesus is afflicted because you are his child. Sometimes I want to just, you know, push myself out of depression. It will never work because we can never push ourselves out of depression. We lie flat down, we wait till it's over, and we encourage ourselves that tomorrow it will be better. Tomorrow I can think a little bit better. Now our first work is to make our God our friend, as I said. He cannot be our enemy. If we fail, he is never displeased. When I go to God, I can never take something bad from God. If I take something from God and I think it looks bad, then it's not from God. Or something is wrong in me but God does not become angry with me when I fail. I would encourage you to go and evaluate every day. I do this myself as far as I can. Those days that I'm not, those days that I'm able to when my mind will, works well enough. Sometimes it helps me to get outside in the morning. I don't use the most of my time reading my Bible because my mind is, capacity is not very great. And I know that I can only remember very little anyway. So I go and I talk to Jesus and I evaluate what happened yesterday. How can I find the, can I, Jesus will help me find the places where I fall. And I think to myself or ask God, where do I play God and how do I change this uh, way of acting? And if you cannot do anything today, do not become discouraged. If you do not find the error today, do not become discouraged. Some errors has taken me five years to figure out. One of them is still tricky to me but it's coming around and one quote that helped me a lot is 
as one drop of rain prepares the way for another in moistening the earth, so one good thought prepares the way for another one. So the day that I'm very depressed, I think to myself, it's very good, it's good with trials, and tomorrow I will think better. Thinking positively will help me. You know, the days when I was thinking fear, fear thoughts before I fall asleep, I wake up with a pain in my stomach, you know, when you feel fearful in your stomach. At least that's how I explain it. And the days when I think correctly, the day before I go to bed, I wake up in the morning and I feel normal. I remember telling my mom one day, and if your mother is not... Well, most mothers cannot take this. Most mothers cannot bear this. But I, I did the mistake. I told my mother, Oh, mother, for so many days and for such a long time, I've been waking up and thinking to myself, if I could just feel normal. And you know, my mom was so sad because she cannot have me suffering. She doesn't know that it's for my best. And this one day I woke up and I felt, felt normal. And this feeling normal and feeling good when I wake up is from thinking the right thing when I went to bed. So, stay your mind on positive thinking. Those quotes that we know that can help us go back to them and read them again and again and again, the promises of God, those things that, that comfort you, go to them and trust them. And this is exercise. And then I want to encourage you to keep the purpose before you because if you do not keep the purpose before you, which is the love loving like God, giving like God, taking from God and giving it on, if you do not keep the purpose before you, if you do not exercise learning to give like God, then you will end in the dead end giving to receive. So I want to be among the 144,000 if it's ever possible for me and if I was meant to that, God knows. And I want to fit my name into this scripture. It says, Michaela suffers long and is kind. She envieth not, she wanteth not herself, she is not puffed up, does not behave herself, behave herself unseemingly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked. This is very hard for me. I am very easily provoked. Thinketh no evil, rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Michaela never fail. I'd like that. Now, Suffereth long with whom? Do, do I need to be patient with God? No. Who, who do I need to be patient with? No. No. Who needs my patience? Other people. But which people? Those that are easy to love? Those that never make mistakes? My enemies. Those that make mistakes and annoy me. Perfect people, they do not need my, my patience, okay? And the same with easily provoked. Who should I not be easily provoked by? Those who provoke, okay? So, so we have to think. When we see something, we have to think. We have to think, what does the Bible say about these things? Patient is only needed for those who is provoking and makes mistakes. And those are the people we need to learn to love. Those that do not fit our need. Those who do not give us what we want to receive. Those are the ones that need this love from God. And it is a process and it takes a long time. But it will help us with our depression and it will make us very loving and very happy people. And this is what God wants. He wants 
happy and sunshiny Christians. And until we reach the goal, he will comfort us, he will lead us, he will protect us, and he will allow us to be put in situations that are hard for us to bear so that we see our wrong taking, we see our heart which is deceived, and he can help us change. Yeah. So there is only one way to learn. Ellen White says that it is only in the water you learn to swim. So as we go and work for God, this is, I believe, the way you can learn to give. Uh, marriage, it's especially, is a very good way of learning to give. There we often take our parents. It's a very good way to learn to give, and it will, it will help us reach the goal, and it will help us bring many people to Jesus because they need to see out in the world Christians that love no matter what they're put to. Christians that don't seek friendship for their own sake, but only for the sake of saving the world. I think I, I cannot drag it anymore now. I, we have to end. But I'm excited that you have so many questions, and I'm, I would love to talk to all of you whenever if anyone has questions. And This is my favorite topic, and I'm so privileged that I can present it to you. What? Well, God's, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think we maybe end with a prayer and then you're off. Dear Heavenly Father, I, I thank you so much for the privilege that you've given us, that we can learn these things. But I thank you also for the great responsibility you've given us. And that you want us to learn these things, not for our own sakes, not for ourselves getting into heaven, but for the people around us who also need to see your love through us. Lord, you know that we are fragile, that we are poor, we are blind, and we do not see ourselves. And we're so naked, so deceived that we cannot even see the deception. If we had to carry this at once, all of, all of it, ourselves, we would just be crushed. But I thank you, Lord, that when we talk about character building and becoming more like you, loving like you, it is never a work that we do alone, but we are in the business together with God in the business of saving other people. And I pray, Lord, that you may take this message to our heart and remind us of these things and help us put them into practice so we actually learn them for ourselves. And I pray, Lord, that you'll help us become the most loving people you have on earth. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.